Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.47 a.m. God, it's January the 7th, 2020. Hindsight, baby, hindsight. Woo, this is like, uh, God, where are we? Holy crap, it's episode 175 of Bitcoin, and I'm back from this massive break that I took. Left y'all all in a lurch. I'm sure you did just fine. I'm sure you did just fine. Uh, I guess the only thing that you know needs to ask is, who wins Christmas dinner 2019? Who broke the rules and talked about politics and shilled Bitcoin and did all the other things that you probably should not have done? I won my Christmas dinner because we didn't talk about any of it. Not a single damn thing. We were also snowed in for five days. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> I loved it. It started snowing Christmas Day, so I had a an actual white Christmas. We were in, we were at a house in Colorado, and we were up in the mountains at about eight thousand feet, uh, back in the San Juans, real close to the Wimanooch Wilderness. So we were like prime targets for uh, localized winter storms, and we got four straight days of snow. Count them, four straight days of snow. It snowed like 24-7 for four days. So at any given time when we needed to get out, uh, we kind of couldn't. We had to wait for uh, for our neighborhood snowplow to get the roads clear so that we could get some grippage on our tires. But it was awesome. <clears throat> it was totally awesome, man. Being snowed in, in the mountains, on Christmas if you if you don't like that, then I don't know what you're doing for with your life because it's a total, total excuse to get outside and use all the snow that drifted off the roof to build snow sleds for your kids. That's right. I built sledways for them. Like we had two of them. We had one that was fast and a couple that were slow. And then after the snow, we had to build them again, so it changed the entire track. But it was awesome because my kids would get outside and they would sled for like an hour right outside the door. Actually, like there was a couple of times when, I mean, they go out about four times a day, but this one time they stayed out. And I mean, it was cold as shit, dude. And they stayed out for like a couple hours straight sledding. So I hope you guys had as wonderful of a time during your Christmas break as I did because I had a freaking blast. It was so awesome being snowed in with some of my closest family. Anyway, let's see. Where are we at? Oh, God. Okay, so it's a new year. This is the first show of the new year for Bitcoin. And, and you know, I guess this is going to be uh, kind of the same format. I've been thinking about ways to change things, but I'm not going to implement them. I'm not going to do something where it just 
the whole format just changes overnight because honestly, nobody, I don't think anybody really wants to see formats change overnight because you really don't know exactly where you're at. But so today we're going to kind of just, we're going to go through the general steps that I have been doing. God knows if I, if I can remember how to do it, uh, we'll, we'll see. Let's start with fiat market cap. Bitcoin maximized. That's right, people. This is fiatmarketcap.com. If you're used to going to coinmarketcap.com, then, well, fiatmarketcap.com, uh, you'll probably be able to spell that out for yourself. What is it? It's It looks exactly like CoinMarketCap, except instead of shitcoin casino plus Bitcoin, this is the fiat casino plus Bitcoin. And it lists all the fiat currencies by nation or by their market cap, or you can sort them by price. Or, And, and what I love about it is that the price of fiat currencies is denominated in Satoshis, just like it should be. And then it gives circulating supply. And, and my favorite part of the whole thing is the part of the, gra- is the part of the grid that shows the max supply. And every single one of the fiat currency's maximum supply is listed as unlimited. Let that sink in, people. There is not a single fiat currency on the face of the planet that cannot be printed until the world looks level and beyond. The only, only currency here, which is listed at number 37, that has a cap on its currency is of course Bitcoin, and that's at 21 million BTC. And right now its market cap is sitting at, oh, let's see, market cap is sitting at 18,146,702 BTC. The price is 100 million Satoshis per Bitcoin, and the circulating supply is the market cap at (coughs) 18,146,712. For those of y'all that might be confused as to why it's not, I'm not saying things like it's a $100 billion market cap. That's because fiat market cap is doing this shit correctly. The market cap of Bitcoin is the amount of circulating supply of Bitcoin. Now, if you wanted to get cute about it, I suppose you could multiply 18 million and so on Bitcoin by 100 million Satoshis and list the market cap in terms of Satoshis, but come on, dude, I don't really want to say that that particular number because it's just going to be too much. Now, hot on the heels of this, because uh, I, I, I tweeted this fiatmarketcap.com website out, and somebody got back to me or, or, or tweeted back to me with, what is it? Oh, come on, come on, load up. All right, oh, Fiat Leak. That's right, fiatleak.com. And it's a graphical representation of the leakage of fiat into Bitcoin by country. And it's a nice little graphic that shows the price. And there's some shitcoin prices as well. But generally speaking, this seems to be more uh, BTC focused. And it has a whole bunch, like basically it's a world map and shows a whole bunch of the world's flags and shows how the fiat from those, you know, the fiat of that country leaking out of that country's flag and going to the direction of, of whatever country. And basically the USD, 
the United States dollar is the most leaky son of a bitch that we got because that thing is just a steady stream of USD being converted to Bitcoin. And we have the Japanese yen, which is pretty much in number two position. We've got uh, the uh, Korean dollar is pretty much in play on this. And oh, let's see who else. Oh, uh, and a couple of other ones, but by and large, the most fiat that's being converted into Bitcoin is the United States dollar. And with all the shit that's going on and we're not going to get into it, it doesn't make, it doesn't surprise me one single bit. Now, okay, hold on for a sec, y'all. I announced yesterday through a tweet that today was going to be the first day that Bitcoin and was going to be back. I also put down on that tweet that I was not going to talk about pro-BTC. However, something has come up. And I'm going to talk about pro-BTC. If you guys don't know what pro-BTC is, well, (coughs) you're still under a rock. Or like me for Christmas, you're still snowed in or something like that. Um. I will let me just give a little bit of, of pro BTC here just as, as context. Apparently, Balaji and probably a couple of other people formed a Nakamoto.com, a blog where everybody's pro BTC. However, the authors, many of them are of which are not actually pro BTC. Vitalik Buterin is not pro BTC, yet he is one of the authors for Nakamoto.com. So clearly they're getting a lot of crap and rightly so because, well, just because now that's not, that's just the context. Why did I even bring it up and break my promise that I wasn't going to talk about it? It was because of this, uh, read only mode coin telegraph, uh, has a story about, uh, this whole pro BT BTC thing, which I'm not going to read. However, um, they have in the in that news story a graphic, which is the only thing that that we really need to talk about, and it's Balaji, who's basically announcing in the Telegram chat, the Telegram for Nakamoto, the Nakamoto Telegram guys, um, that they're going to read only mode. That's right, people. <laughs> they have, I mean, within days of the release of this ridiculous thing, they're in read only mode already. Now, the part, they have several bullet points in this, like good news, enormous interest, interest in Nakamoto across Twitter and Telegram. Bad news, more people equals more trolls and spam bots. Telegram's tools for moderation are only so-so, and we have many false positives. And here's the big one, guys. We will probably migrate to a paid chat with better tooling, and that's where this shit stops. There's a couple of other things, but, you know, that's all you need to know. So here we have Nakamoto.com comes out with their blog. They use all they use the leverage of triggering BTC and Bitcoin maximalists to push their bullshit. And then they get such pushback back that they decide to go to a paid chat. I contend that they probably always were going to go to a paid chat, but just use the quote unquote outrage of the maxis to be able to cover their ass and not look like the jerks that they are by going to a paid chat. 
the whole thing is bullshit. And I will say one last thing about it. When I'm looking at, at Nakamoto on Twitter, I'm looking at the date that the, that, that particular Twitter account came to life, 2007. The Twitter account is from 2007. Nobody knew who the F Satoshi Nakamoto was until the end of 2008. And all of a sudden we got at Nakamoto beginning in 2007. So what does that mean? That means that some, that some of the Balaji or whoever either had an old Twitter account that had some other handle that was created in 2007, or they cannibalized, you know, one of their own, or they went out and bought one of the oldest Twitter accounts that they could find because you can change the name. You can change your Twitter, your at Twitter handle. Not only can you change your whatever name, if you did not know, you, you know, you just go to your edit thing and you can change your actual name, like mine is Nunya Business, but my handle is at B-E-N-N-D-7-7. I can change that. I don't have to be at B-E-N-N-D-7-7. I can change it tomorrow. I thought about changing it twice. And I basically pointed my fingers at my head and pulled the imaginary trigger because that would have been suicide. It's not that everybody knows me by B-E-N-N-D-7-7. It's just that when I see people do this, I see a loss of branding. My branding sucks. I admit it, but my God almighty, at least it's something, right? When I first made my Twitter account, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with it. I had no idea I was going to turn it into some kind of Bitcoin and outlet, you know, for doing some of the stuff that I do now. I had no idea. Some people have suggested that maybe I change my handle to something more crypto related or, you know, maybe BTC David or something. And no, no, it's going to always stay at B-E-N-N-D-7-7, probably the most terrible Twitter handle Aside from bot number one four four eight seven six three two five nine or something like that, that's that's bad. Okay, so compared to that, I'm, mine isn't so bad. But compared to the rest of the crew that I'm trying that I that I am competing with, um, yeah, my Twitter handle sucks. But this demonstrates a level of integrity that is so far below the bar that I can't really even, I can't even be, it's, I know a lot of people will listen to this and go, it's not, that's not important. It is. It is important. I'm sorry that you don't think it's important, but it is. Nobody knew who the hell Satoshi Nakamoto was in 2007. Nobody, not a single person. And yet they're doing this to give themselves some kind of sense of credibility, age, you know, having that, you know, like 12 years or, or 13 years under their belt. That's bullshit. Nakamoto was created at the first of this year and they're, they, they did it with fanfare and they did it with the, on, on purpose to get people to write for them that they knew was going to trigger the maximalists so that we would push their marketing agenda forward. Good job on that one guys. Cause it freaking worked, but Y'all still suck. So there you go. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's get into vitals. All 
I got Bitcoin at $7,839. It looks like my high is going to be over at Coins Bid at $8,072. And my low looks like it's going to be over at P2P B2B at $7,782.94. We have 321,000 transactions being made over the last 24 hours with 13,500 transactions on average per hour. <coughs> Excuse me. 923,000 BTC have been sent in that last 24 hours. <coughs> Dear Lord. With an average sent per hour of 40,000 BTC. Average transaction value is 2.87 BTC. And the median transaction value is 0.037 BTC or right around 300 bucks. Block time is low at 9 minutes, 17 seconds. I wonder why. And let's see. It looks like 0.16 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. And 25 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a decrease of hash rate of 12%. In the last 24 hours, taking us to 98 exahashes per second. Now, let's 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 hold our horses. 98 exahashes per second was actually the high. That was pretty much one of the highs. I was I think when I was do when I did my last show, I don't remember exactly what it was, but during the last shows, we were constantly at anywhere between 91 and 102, maybe 103 exahashes per second. We've lost 12% in the last 24 hours, and we're at 98 exahashes per second. Guys, we hit fresh hash time, hash rates like over the Christmas break and into New Year's. It was freaking awesome. It was like 112 exahashes per second. So even with a loss of 12% in 24 hours, we are still walking all up and down shitcoin alley, basically just not giving a shit, right? Okay, so let's see. Last uh, commit to the code base was sometime yesterday. Ethereum at 140 bucks, Bcash at 235. Litecoin at 45, BSV at over 100. Ethereum Classic at $4.76. And Dogecoin... Chilling out where Dogecoin always chills out, $0.0027. And at <coughs> 31,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, it basically beats nothing but Litecoin. Yes, Litecoin. Litecoin's in the news. I'm not going to read any of it, but if you've seen it, there's like word on the street that they their minor capitulation is apparently over, according to a couple of news articles. And they are poised to go to the stratosphere and bring Bitcoin along with it because apparently we need Litecoin's help. Anybody who believes that needs to go away. We'll see. Le Mempool. Oh, yeah. Oh, we are seven. We are six blocks deep at seven megabytes in the mempool. We have pretty much nothing but, oh, good Lord. There's a whole, there's actually a couple of one and a half megabyte blocks. So any of the idiots out there who are still saying that we have a one megabyte cap on our block size, that hasn't been true for months, months. I'll say it again hasn't been true 
for months. Lightning Network. 10,990 nodes is what's on the network now. Last I did a show, it was about 10,500. So we've got a hell of an increase in this particular case. The number of nodes increased on a month-over-month basis by 2.71% as of today. Uh, Network capacity is at 861.6 BTC. And let's see, number of nodes in the last 24 hours, we got 15 brand new nodes, but we have only 87 new channels, which represents a 30% decrease in channel openings over the last 24 hours. By the way, the number of channels that we can actually see on the nodes that we can actually see is about 35,500 channels. And those channels have apparently 861 Bitcoin in them for the network capacity. That's going to do it for Vitals. Morning Roundup begins with idiocy, pure idiocy. Now, this isn't a news story. This is a, God forbid, peer-reviewed, published paper in the Journal of Economy and Society. This came out in Volume 48, 2019, issue number four. This is by Jack Parkin. The the title of this drivel is The Senatorial Governance of Bitcoin, colon, making decentralized money. All I'm going to read to you is the abstract. And for those of you who don't know, in scientific and or peer-reviewed journal articles, the abstract basically describes what's going on in the whole of the paper. I do not have a subscription or the way to get to this Taylor and Francis online article, so all I can read you is the abstract. But clearly, you'll understand very quickly where the idiocy is, and the fact that you don't need to read past the abstract to understand you don't need to read past the abstract. In recent years, the development of cryptocurrencies and wider implementations of blockchain technology have been valorized as digitally decentralized networks that dissipate control evenly among their peers. With Bitcoin, the first blockchain-based cryptocurrency, oh my God, it's so bad, Monetary policy is enacted via software built through an open source consensus model. This promotes a techno-decentralist ideology that promises to democratize societies by eradicating centralized points of control in economic systems. Contrastingly, this paper demonstrates how Bitcoin's production process operates through, get this, strict authoritative channels. Let me read that again. This paper demonstrates how Bitcoin's production process operates through strict authoritative channels. The overall political framework for altering the Bitcoin code is described as a senatorial governance, a decentralized model of bureaucratic parties who compete to change the monetary policy, parentheses codified rules, in parentheses, of the protocol. This model shows how Bitcoin is not an autonomous system, but is assembled and maintained via human discretion. I'm going to read that one again. This model shows how Bitcoin is not an autonomous system, but is assembled and maintained via human discretion. All right, hold on for just one meaty second.
All right, so I had to go heat up some coffee. That little, I hit the pause button because I needed to drink a little bit more coffee to just get into this word discretion. Maintained and assembled via human discretion. No, it's not discretion. Human need, human interaction. This one guy just made this cobbled together shit that's been around for 20 years, which happened to coalesce into a game theory that makes sense to humans, most of which are tired of the bullshit. We are tired of the bullshit. We are tired of paying taxes so that people can go bomb shit. Okay? I'm not all about bombing weddings to get one freaking terrorist. I'm not all about blowing up little 14-year-old girls and shit because your drone got bad intel. I I don't want my name on it. I don't want your I don't want my money being given to you to do that shit. And a lot of other stuff cobbled itself together into a bunch of people wrapping themselves around this kludge of three or four technologies that have been around for 20 years. SHA-256, time stamping. We've had all this, but it was never assembled in a particular way until this one guy, maybe a, a few people, but a very limited amount of human brain power put this shit together The rest of the story is us, and it's really not human discretion that guides it at all. It's motivated self-interest that aligns with game theory that is inherent in the system. This Jack Parkin guy does not understand Bitcoin and yet got a peer-reviewed article published in, I guess, can only assume a nationally renowned or or at least a nationally published journal of what the hell is this thing? Good God, economy and society. Ugh, just really, economy and society. Good mercy on a stick. In I in, in in whatever event, you know, you can sense my frustration with this. We got all these people that are weighing into this, and I mean. To be honest, I'm barely holding on by my fingernails to understand this stuff, much less jumping into it with both feet inside of a freaking year and make these claims that human discretion, you need to go look up the definition of discretion. Discretion has no business being here. Anyway, my frustration is with use of the word here is human discretion. Because it has nothing to do with this, okay? So be very, very careful of what's, I mean, we're, it's bad enough with, with news stories, okay? Like the block crypto coming out with their crap. Now this new Nakamoto blog that's sending everybody into a freaking tizzy. Be careful, be wary, be, I don't know, just be on your guard all the time because this is never going to end. I mean, maybe after, long after I'm dead, it will end. But, I mean, still people are, are writing, you know, articles about the United States dollar and how it sucks. 
those people on are on our side, but whatever, you know, any kind of fiat currency is like that. Let's get into the rest of it. Vlad Kostya is writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Sometimes, oh, this is actually the day after, we'll say, well, my last show was on the 11th. So this is December the 18th. Vlad Kostya is, is writing, uh, math research suggests six confirmations aren't really needed for Bitcoin transactions. <clears throat> In a recent research paper, European mathematicians Cyrus Grunspan and Ricardo Perez Marco demonstrated through calculus and game theory that, thanks to the robust network security and relatively high BTC price, small Bitcoin transactions may not need the six confirmations typically required by merchants and exchanges. Published on the Computer Science and Cryptography section of Cornell University's RXIV library. The paper takes on the calculations of Satoshi Nakamoto as presented in subchapter 11 of the Bitcoin white paper. Quote, our new paper combines two main previous results, Perez Marco told Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, the first one is the exact computation of the probability of success of a double spend attack. And the second one takes into account the exact model for profitability that we developed for analyzing selfish mining strategies. In a nutshell, this new research paper asks, quote, how profitable is it to double spend a transaction and how many network confirmations are really enough to financially incentivize honest mining? According to the findings presented, a potential attacker who owns 1% of the total hash rate would have to spend at least 50 coin bases, currently 625 BTC and 312.5 after the 2020 halving, in order to revert a single confirmation. The, <clears throat> to revert two confirmations, the cost would be 100 or 1,666 coin bases, according to the research. What we compare is the profitability of the double spend in honest mining, Perez Marco explained. For a small transaction, any major miner with high hash rate has no interest in engaging in a minor double spend. And in the case of small miners who possess less than 1% of the hash rate, only a big amount can justify a double spend from the profitability point of view. For example, with a 1% hash rate, the only confirmation requested, <clears throat> the minimal amount to double spend is more than 49 coin bases. That is currently more than 612 Bitcoin. After ta taking into account multiple scenarios and doing all the calculations involved, Grunspan and Perez Marco reached the conclusion that after two network confirmations, it's more profitable to mine honestly than to double spend. This game theory conclusion is applicable even in cases where the value of the transaction equals a coin base. While the research includes interesting findings which explain the cost of double spins in multiple scenarios, its real-world impact still remains to be seen. The habit of waiting for six confirmations is inherited directly from Nakamoto, but is not set in stone. Every sovereign participant in the Bitcoin network is free to lower the threshold to two or three confirmations if they wish. Six confirmations is not a protocol rule but just a common and customary request made by the transaction recipient concluded Perez Marco. Satoshi carried out a good estimate of the profitability or sorry, probability of success, but didn't have a good theory of profitability at hand in order to go further. However, it seems unlikely that exchanges and businesses would lower the security threshold to achieve slightly more convenience. And this mathematical study is yet to receive community scrutiny and thorough academic peer review. If and when it is vetted by the wider community, it may be that a large segment agrees to consider Bitcoin transactions definitive after one or two confirmations. However, such a change may also attract the attention of economically irrational actors who don't mind burning part of their wealth just to destroy the credibility of Bitcoin. In any case, 
The research paper provides an interesting analysis of one of Bitcoin's most critical practices and may very well motivate us to think about it differently. Okay, so that's the end of the article, but not the end of my commentary. Be careful with this, guys. Roger Ver and people like him are going to seize on this to say the following. See, zero confirmations are fine. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. If this kind of if this kind of research gains traction and we start talking about, well, we don't need six confirmations, that's exactly what's gonna they're gonna say, see, we were right. I like six confirmations. I don't mind waiting an hour because when I'm spending my Bitcoin, I'm going like the things that I spend my Bitcoin on are things that I'm going to have to wait for either in the mail, like i.e. I order something, or like uh, buying my ticket to uh, BitBlock Boom for 2020, which I cannot freaking wait for. It's going to be my first Bitcoin conference. I'm so jazzed, bro. But I got to wait for that anyway. Why do I give a shit if the confirmation took an hour? I don't. And talk about safe. I mean, my God, if it costs this much to double spend out of out of a you know one confirmation or God forbid two con- I mean 1,666 coin bases, that's a lot of blocks. That's a lot of blocks to actually burn through and you're not guaranteed it's gonna work. You're just it's it's not. So yikes on a stick. Anyway, again, don't get in. Don't give in, guys. I know I did, it may seem like you can now start going around and saying, well, we don't need six confirmations. All you're going to end up doing is playing into the hands of shitcoiners that are begging, absolutely begging for us to you know, kind of capitulate and say, well, we don't really need six confirmations. If we do that, it's not that all is lost. It's just that all becomes even more difficult to deal with these people, and it's already difficult enough. Julio Gil Pulger is writing for Bitcoinist.com that the CFTC hunts down multi-million dollar crypto Ponzi scammer. Uh, let's see. Regulators allege that the defendant's illegal trading activities resulted in the defrauding of its customers for thousands of Bitcoin worth millions of U.S. dollars. In the United States, the case under the circuit of the CFTC Division of Enforcement's Virtual Currency Task Force. Moreover, Finance Feed reports that the CFTC has learned that the Olson District Prosecutor's Office, South Korea, is also investigating these defendants, specifically according to a CFTC press release. And the the principals here are Benjamin Reynolds is one of them, and he only is up for a 147,000 Ponzi scheme involving Bitcoin. So, eh, apparently there's, there's more. In either event... Let's get on with this. Control Finance built a complex pyramid to entice customers and conceal their fraudulent scheme under what they called the Control Finance Affiliate Program. That's right. Okay, I'm going to stop right there for a second. Mid-level marketing or MLM is starting to play a large, is starting to play, has actually played and starting to play and going to play an even larger role in cryptocurrency and God forbid Bitcoin in the future. Why? Because of freaking one coin, because 
the, when when home, I can't remember the, the guy's name, but the the guy that did the podcast series for the BBC about one coin and old what's her face the the chick that disappeared with all your one coin money if you're a if you're a one coin bag holder stop listening now because I don't want you as an audience member unless you're true unless you're ready to freaking repent but still I can be as mad as I want but I'm still sorry for these people being that dumb to get bilked out of their money in either event after that podcast it became so very apparent how well mid-level marketing works and was now transmitted to every idiot shit coiner, this is what you're going to get. Again, the program promised its affiliates payments in Bitcoin, including referral profits, rewards, and bonuses. The CFT explains, quote, the defendants used a website and accounts at popular social media sites to fraudulently solicit customers to purchase and transfer Bitcoin to them. The defendants induced customers into transferring Bitcoin to them by falsely representing that they employed expert virtual currency traders who earn guaranteed daily trading profits on all Bitcoin deposits, end quote. The defendants are also said to have fabricated and posted weekly false trade reports to make customers, customers believe that their deposits in the crypto market were successful. In fact, the defendants made no trades on their customers' behalf and therefore earned no profit for them, according to the CFTC complaint. Around September the 10th, 2017, defendants precipitously shut down their website and suspended all payments to customers. Despite their numerous efforts, American and Korean regulators have been unable to locate Benjamin Reynolds. The Control Finance Certificate of Incorporation dated September the 8th of 2016 indicates the company's director's address at 12 Richmond Street, Manchester, Greater Manchester, England. However, as finance feed reports, the address does not exist. As a result, this has forced the CFTC to file on January the 3rd, 2020, a motion with the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, as reported by finance feeds, requesting the following, number one, authorizing service of process on defendant Benjamin Reynolds by publication in the Daily Telegraph and to extending for 60 days the time limit by which the commission must affect service on Reynolds and control finance. <laughs> Uh, so when apparently it's okay to give a false address and one that not only false, an address that doesn't even fricking exist when you're filing for corporate papers for your, for when you're developing your corporation and I, they don't say where it was, let's see if they say where it was developed. It's a UK based company called control finance. So I can only assume that they were incorporated in the UK but my God, I mean, you can't run a freaking search for that address and find out that a building doesn't exist there. My God, it's the 21st century. Whatever. Anyway, so be aware, scammers are, are everywhere. <clears throat> the takeaway from this is the fact that mid-level marketing and affiliate, like, and quote unquote affiliations, which is not always bad. I have affiliate links. But I have affiliate links to like, uh, like pay. I have affiliate links to like I, uh, oh, um, let's see here, Lolly. You know, I, I mean, you know, the, I don't have a problem with those affiliate links because they're not asking me to transfer Bitcoin. They're just asking me to make sure that their shit's active when I'm buying stuff. And then they give me Bitcoin. So that I don't mind. It's when you have an affiliate 
thing going on where you're asking somebody to take their Bitcoin and give it to you or to them via your affiliate link. Stay away from that shit. You're going to get burned 100% of the time. SBI GMO reportedly signed deal with operator of world's largest Bitcoin mining site. We're going to talk about Texas. Cointelegraph's Marie Juliet is writing sometime this morning. The operator of what is set to become the world's largest Bitcoin mining facility, and they actually write out BTC, which is very important because that's the only Bitcoin that there is. If you think there's more than one Bitcoin, you're either being lied to or you're lying to yourself. There's not. There is only Bitcoin. That ticker symbol is BTC. Continuing. The world's largest Bitcoin mining facility has reportedly signed a deal with Japanese financial services giant SBI and internet provider GMO. A January 7th Bloomberg report claims that the two Japanese mega firms have agreed in principle to process cryptocurrency transactions at a new mining facility of unprecedented scale now being developed in Rockdale, Texas. Yeehaw. The facility will be operated by Winstone, a subsidiary of a Frankfurt-based Nor uh, Northern Bitcoin AG. Winstone, which has been operating since 2014 and has its own mining sites across the Netherlands, Sweden, and the United States, merged with Northern Bitcoin in November 2019 as the latter geared up for to construct what is being slated as the largest data center in North America and the largest Bitcoin mining facility in the world on an area of over 40 hectares. And neither SBI nor GMO immediately responded to Cointelegraph's request for comment to confirm the partnership. Uh, Northern Texas, no, sorry, Northern Bitcoin AG's new site will reportedly launch operations with initial capacity of 300 megawatts, expected to hit one gigawatt by the close of 2020. All right, so there you go. Uh, that, there's a little bit more to the story, but it's, it's basically recapping what we already know about Winstone and Northern Bitcoin AG. Uh, the fact that <clears throat> Rockdale, Texas, which is, I think, outside of College Station, it's, I'm pretty sure it's east of Austin. Some, I think it's east somewhere between Austin and San Antonio. I'm just going to say somewhere by College Station. I mean, you're talking about a town with 6,000 people in it. And all of a sudden, they're going to get like this massive, you know, mining thing going on. And, oh, by the way, hold on here. Let's see. Oh, no, I don't have it. Uh, I ran across a tweet that was uh, also talking about this particular deal um, well, not this particular deal, but the the mining facility going in in Rockdale is that apparently they too are uh, Rockdale used to be an aluminum, you know I think it was Alcoa, <clears throat> and they abandoned their smelting plant uh, to do other things I suppose. In either event, why aluminum? Well, I've said it before, but we'll we'll say it again. Aluminum smelting plants are really really good infrastructure sets for Bitcoin mining. Why? Because they are plugged into the grid in a way that no other building on the face of the planet can be plugged into the electricity grid. Why? Because aluminum smelting depends on electricity and has for so long that that's the only real way that these things get built. Okay, so the, the furnaces are not fired by coal. They're not fired by oil. They're not fired by wood. The smelters are fired by electricity and uh, coils. All right. 
Why? I don't know. I'm just going to chalk it up to maybe aluminum cannot take being like have any kind of smoke around it as it's being melted. I, I don't know, nor do I give a shit. All I care about is the fact that every single abandoned aluminum smelter plant Maybe something you want to either buy a portion of and hold it because eventually it's probably going to be used just for its plug-in to the grid. And the fact that there's a roof over it to keep shit dry. Other than that, I don't think anybody gives a shit. Electricity, keep shit dry, good enough for mining. That's all it really takes. Anyway, so there you go. We got <coughs> the Japanese teaming up with uh, these guys to do all kinds of neat stuff. And I, I I mean, I think it's really going to be important that we have more people that are entering into the process of cryptocurrency transactions and being able to process them and, and that kind of stuff, because we've got the older financial people are, are, you know, they're, they're cutting it out. They're, they're blacklisting people. They're not letting things go through. I think I've got, I think I've got one here, yeah, uh, banks are blocking money to crypto. We'll get into that one in a second. So it's good that newer companies are coming into play while the older companies basically extinguish and exterminate themselves through their own short-sightedness, but whatever. Uh, satellites in space, what SpaceX's latest satellite launch means for crypto. This is Christina Combin writing for Bitcoinist.com sometime this morning. Yesterday, 60 Starlink satellites were launched in, in the orbit. In the orbit? Oh, good Lord. That's a terrible sentence. Let's try this again. Yesterday, 60 Starlink satellites were launched into orbit from SpaceX's Falcon 9 launch vehicle, making Elon Musk constellation the largest in orbit. But what does it mean for crypto adoption? I wish they'd stop using that word. The Falcon 9 is the same rocket that launched the first 60 SpaceX satellites in May of 2019, bringing higher speed communications to Earthlings far and wide. SpaceX tweeted out the successful deployment of satellites around four hours ago, and then they give the tweet. A static fire test was conducted as part of the standard series of pre-launch procedures, and among the late last major milestone before liftoff during this test, the first stage is nine Merlin 1D engines were ignited with success. God, nine. Nine engines. Jesus. Elon's the man, dude. The two-stage rocket lifted off on Monday at 9.19 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yesterday's SpaceX Falcon 9 launch will mark the first of the year from Florida's Space Coast. In 2019, Musk SpaceX launched a total of 13 times with the last mission carrying a heavyweight communication satellite for the Japanese broadband provider and Singapore-based startup on December the 16th. SpaceX launched its first 60 satellites in May and then an additional 60 in November. Today's launch will take Musk's satellite uh, total to almost 180, already making it the largest constellation in orbit. That's still a drop in the bucket for Musk, however. The starstruck South African businessman plans to grow a burgeoning constellation of eventually more than 40,000 satellites strong. The satellite launching company founder said that the company would need at least 400 to 800 Starlink satellites to provide minor to moderate broadband coverage. With less than 10 more launches, SpaceX could start offering broadband in the United States. Yesterday's Falcon was design, already flown three successful miss, miss, uh, missions, and this third batch of Starlink satellites is designed to provide global internet access. 
Greater access to internet worldwide means greater access to cryptocurrency. As Bitcoinist has previously reported, in the event of a government trying to shut down a power grid, Bitcoin can be beamed down from space. May the force be with you, Elon, and may your SpaceX empire help to propel both satellites and crypto. So, yeah, not a whole lot about how it's going to help crypto. Let's just say Bitcoin, because honestly, if you're into anything but, you're going to get hosed. But... <clears throat> be that as it may, uh, I'm I'm not torn. I I I I like the fact that Elon is launching all these little you know these little satellites into space, but a I mean, have they really cal- have they really going to calculate forty thousand different orbitals to make sure that it doesn't collide with any of the other crap that we've already got up there? I don't know. I mean, it. it it seems like a difficult proposition to keep track of 40,000 satellites, but if they do, and if Elon doesn't do shit like blacklist people, um, then yeah, it's going to be good for Bitcoin. Uh, Why wouldn't it be? The reason why it wouldn't be is if they started saying, well, we're not going to, we're not going to allow, you know, Bitcoin transactions. We'll read the header. We'll do everything we can to identify a Bitcoin transaction and, and make sure that doesn't go through. Well, good luck because, you know, Tor and all that. But again, be that as it may, it's, it's never, it's never a sure deal in the me, like at the first and and, uh, until such time that it doesn't, this is going to benefit Bitcoin. So, you know, we, all the rest of it, I don't know, like, is it going to run into the space station? I don't know. Hopefully not, but 40,000 orbitals to track, Man, that's a lot of math. Messenger Giant Lines Crypto Exchange to delist XRP this month. Coin Telegraph's Adrian Zmunsky is writing sometime this morning. Bitbox announced that it will delist XRP on January the 16th. Shh, could, can it be sooner? Cointelegraph Japan reported Bitbox's decision earlier today. The announcement published on the exchange website on January 6 reads, quote, We keep a constant watch on all coins that are being traded on Bitbox. If a coin does not meet our standards based on its performance, reliability, liquidity, and, or law and regulatory requirements, it will be delisted from our exchange. To protect your assets and interests, we provide sufficient notice before shit canning. I mean, uh, delisting, end quote. The crypto asset in question will be delisted at midnight on January 16th, together with XRP trading pairs with Bitcoin, Ether, and Tether. Bitbox recommends that its users cancels all their, cancel all their trades before the delisting take place. After XRP is delisted, Bitbox's customers will have until midnight February 16th to withdraw their shitcoin. No, it doesn't actually say that. As of press time, Bitbox has not answered Cointelegraph's request for clarification regarding its decision to delist XRP, the third largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization at $9.4 billion U.S. Looking at CoinMarketCap's Bitbox volume data, only 0.02% of the exchange's volume came from XRP trading. Bitbox was launched in June 2018 by Line, the firm behind a major Japanese social messaging app. 
The firm started facilitating crypto trading globally with the exclusion of the United States and Japan, of course, at first, but obtained a crypto exchange operating license from Japan's financial regulator in September last year and expanded its operations as BitMax. Brad Garlinghouse, a CEO of the blockchain firm behind XRP, recently answered concern that the company could control the crypto's assets price due to the significance of its holdings. Uh, No, I'm I'm not going to get into that. He claimed that the firm does not want to dump its associated XRP cryptocurrency despite selling huge amounts of it and strongly denied the company could influence the XRP price. That entire paragraph from, from Brad is bullshit, and you know it. Brad Carlinghouse is dumping on you. If you're an XRP holder, Brad hates you. He doesn't give a shit one about your financial future. And honestly, if you're if you're really into XRP, then you deserve everything that you're going to get, including the continued dumps from Brad and the company. Oh my God! So yeah, the XRPP is getting delisted from an exchange. And, uh, oh God, let's see, uh, there was somebody sent me a, uh, uh, I guess Bitbox's list of trading pairs and number XRP was at number one. And somehow or another, it was like 0.02% of its trading. Well, like, I don't know. It was just, it was God. It was so, it was just so messed up. I'm looking at this thing going, it's just, it's just a dead end. XRP is just a dead end. And all these pumps, man, no. You think they're organic, but they're not. So stay away, stay away, stay away. Stay away from PayPal, too, <coughs> because it expands with a $4 billion honey acquisition. This is Bitcoinist Christine Vasileva writing sometime this morning. They have finalized the purchase of the Honey Deal Finder startup for a consideration of $4 billion. This latest move pushes the payment processor well ahead of crypto-friendly payment rival Square. I'm calling bullshit, but whatever. PayPal, one of the largest payment processors, is aimed at taking a larger share of the online retail market. With the rise of fintech, PayPal faces more competitive headwinds. Where am I at? Hold on. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, headwinds. The acquisition aims to expand the retail experience and boost the influence of PayPal and Venmo in a more integrated retail and payment system. It was those pressures that made PayPal perform the biggest acquisition in the company's history. Reportedly, Honey has 17 million active monthly users attracted for coupon services, best Amazon deals, and other discounts from as many as 30,000 online retailers. PayPal's idea was to transform the shopping experience for its 275 million customers. Honey app has grown in popularity as it makes shopping smoother, applying coupon codes automatically. The startup established in 2012 achieved $100 million in revenues in 2018 and was headed to reach $200 million in 2019. PayPal has faced competition from the Square Payment app, which has also risen in prominence in relation to Twitter. Square Cash's app, however, has chosen to be competitive through crypto-friendly tools. That's exactly right. PayPal, on the other hand, remains skeptical of digital assets. That's because they can't control them. In the past, the leading company has refused to allow payments to crypto services, whether OTC or exchanges. Later, it made a foray by enlisting as a member of the Libra Association. But just months after the pledge, PayPal gave up on the idea, citing heightened reporting pressures. PayPal has remained skeptical of Bitcoin and has banned as much crypto-related transfers as possible. 
the firm has also abstained from offering a digital asset. Hence, the customer or the company now aims to remain competitive by revolutionizing retail. <laughs> the Square Payment Service marked $4.3 billion in revenues for the 12 months ending September 2019. PayPal, on the other hand, is still ahead with $4.3 billion in just the third quarter of 2019. But Square has also expanded well over the years, reporting 49% growth in the past year. PayPal has also gained a boost from serving other payment channels for services like Uber and Spotify. Crypto assets still do not compete directly with fintech as startups in the space remain more compliant and face smaller hurdles to serving a large-scale market. <coughs> Guys, you're going to delete PayPal. You're, there is no... there. Okay, I was about to say there's no reason to have PayPal right now. Okay, for a lot of, the, for a lot of y'all, there is. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not going to fool myself either. However, as BTC Pay Server becomes more and more ingrained into God, into damn near everything, it will be so much easier to just look at PayPal and go, why? How long will that happen? God, I don't know. How fast can you integrate it into your own websites? It's up to you, not me. Just saying. All right. So um, let's get into... no. Okay. I'm just going to skip over good word. Good Lord. I thought this was going to be short, but we are running long. I'm passing the 56 minute mark. My God. Okay. Just touch on this uh, real quick. Law enforcement data request at Kraken rose by 50% in 2019. So Jesse Powell tweeted out or the firm tweeted an infographic that uh, talked about its global law enforcement request. And as the uh, as Daniel Palmer, who's writing this, says, as of this morning, Kraken is getting hammered, hammered by requests from law enforcement. Um, let's see. Uh, 61% of those requests was made by the United States. Uh, the FBI and the DEA... And of all things, Immigration and Customs Enforcement are the three agencies that make up the most agencies that are making most of the requests for Kraken to pony up with the information. Uh, Jesse Powell is not saying whether or not how they're complying, whether they are complying, in what way they're complying, just that they've gotten a whole bunch more people asking for information along with that. Okay. Now this one, I do want to read, even though we are running long because this one's important. Decrypt.co. Robert Stevens is writing sometime this morning. Banks block money sent to crypto exchange Kraken. At the same time, law enforcement has drained its resources with increasing numbers of costly requests. So this will touch on a little bit on both. One of crypto exchanges Kraken's, let me try that again. One of crypto exchange Kraken's customers claimed yesterday that an online French bank has rejected transfers from the exchange. The customer, who remains anonymous, told Decrypt that they made two transfers to the bank on December 17th and 20th. Both Kraken and Bursa I guess that's the bank, told the customer that Bursa blocked the transfers with Kraken adding that transactions have been blocked for several weeks. Quote, we inform you the, that following a decision by our banking establishment, 
We no longer accept transfers to this account. Reads a letter dated Monday, January 6th from the Bursa Stroma Banque, which is the bank, it's French for bank, <clears throat> issued in response to the customer's request to transfer funds between its bank account and Kraken. Gregory Raymond, a French journalist of Capital, reached out to the bank, which told him was an operational error. Quote, Bursarama, whatever, doesn't block transfer to these platforms. Raymond attributed to the bank, which also told him that transfers to Kraken were reopened on Friday, January the 3rd. A support officer from Kraken told Decrypt that Bursarama Bank were definitely blocked, but that we're just learning that transfers are arriving again. Uh, whatever is one of the ones that have been arriving again. It's like basically they're saying that one of the ones that have been arriving again is in all caps, B O U S F R P P X X X. I don't know what the hell that is. I don't care. The customer told Decrypt that since the transfers were rejected, he has put in another transfer on January the 6th. It's still pending, but not rejected yet, but didn't reach Kraken. Of the trouble, he said, it's very worrying that I'm not free to use my money the way I want to. (laughs) That should actually be on a damn flag. It's very worrying that I'm not free to use my money the way I want to. (laughs) Bursarama simply rejected the transfers without explaining why. It took them 20 days to simply tell me they don't deal with this account anymore. God damn, 20 days. Jeez, guys. Have it like, isn't it like there's a sense of urgency at the bank to tell their customers that a transfer of God only knows how much money didn't happen? There's no sense of urgency to take care of your characters or uh, your customers. No sense, really, no sense of urgency whatsoever. This is the way the world's running. This is why I Bitcoin quote, I hope they change their mind or I will move to a German bank. <laughs> he said, referring to the Challenger Bank N26, which is known to not block transfers. Bursarama Bank's parent company is Society General, which last week made headlines after it closed professional, personal, joint, and children's accounts of Parisian Julie Goislard after Goislard criticized the bank online. Whoa, dude, they closed her family's her all of her family members' accounts got closed because she criticized the bank online. Also, why I Bitcoin. So, you know, whatever. I'm just gonna stop it there because we're running long. <clears throat> I'm telling you, man, you trust your bank until you can't. I already don't trust my bank. I still use them. But I'm always in the back of my mind, I'm always ready to pull the plug and go somewhere else. And I have somewhere to go. You know where that is? Yeah, it's Bitcoin. So there you go. Uh, Okay, there's something about store value being the use case. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, Yes. Do we really want to do this one? Let's, let's, Let's end it. Let's, let's go ahead and end this here. Ethereum went through a network update that delays the difficulty bomb. Although the mining difficulty will remain the same, different technical analysts are starting to turn bullish on ETH. 
On January the 2nd, at block number 9,200,000, the Moore Glacier hard fork was completed on the Ethereum blockchain. The network update was activated with only one improvement proposal, EIP-2384. The upgrade was designed to push back the difficulty bomb, a built-in algorithm that aims to increase the difficulty in mining a new block for another 4 million blocks or approximately 611 days. God, it's like a year, over a year and a half. Thus far, 93% of all clients are ready and synced, but there are a few that are still having issues, including Teth, Multigeth, and Aleth, according to Ethernodes, blah, blah, blah. We really don't give a shit because ETH sucks. But the whole reason that I read you that part, and I'm not reading any of the rest of it, is that whole Ethereum showing bullish signs. That's because they're still going to be in proof of work. Every single time this chain gets even close to proof of stake, miners are going to pull back. People are going to sell their ETH. Why? Because A, the uncertainty by itself is enough to scare, should be enough to scare any normal mortal person out of their skin. Second, proof of stake is always going to be bad because... Well, because exchanges are getting into the staking business and they're a lot bigger than you are. You're never going to be able to stake enough to be clear that you're going to have any kind of control over your Ethereum. And as, again, every single time they push the difficulty bomb back, it seems like ETH gets a little bit of a pump. And that actually makes a lot of sense to me because it means that people for for the next 610 or 9 or however long it is uh from the second let's see the uh, yeah like like another 600 days people don't have to worry about proof of work in ethereum it's going to be there for at least a year and a half of course it's going to pump this has nothing to do with anything other than a huge sigh of relief for the bag holders that are constantly always peeing their pants every time proof of stake comes around. And every single time they push it back, there's a collective sigh of relief and people, for whatever reason, feel comfortable buying more of this garbage coin. I, If I were you, I'd stay away from it, but that's just me. In either event, just understand this. Ethereum is never going to go to proof of stake. It's not. You think it is, but it's not. And here's what's going to happen. And and why it is that people are going to shake their fist at me later and say that I'm wrong is because maybe at one point or another, a group of people, maybe led by Vitalik, maybe not, will finally get tired of this shit and push proof of stake and they will go to proof of stake and guess what will happen? the people that are operating the proof-of-work version of Ethereum will continue to work the proof-of-work Ethereum, and they will continue to push back the difficulty bomb. There's no reason in the world that at this point that that can't happen. No reason in the world. Now, the Ethereum, if led by Vitalik, Ethereum proof of stake will hold the ETH uh, ticker symbol. I guarantee it. But 
I suspect that in this particular case, what might very well happen is that the proof of work Ethereum, not Ethereum Classic. Ethereum Classic should have overtaken ETH, but it didn't. In this particular case, I have a sneaky suspicion that Ethereum proof of work will either overtake or continuously run neck and neck with proof of stake Ethereum, which essentially means they just diluted all their shit. But whatever. Let's have a song. So this is a cover of um, Santana by Leo Moriccioli, one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite guys because he can metalize anything. I, I, I swear to God, he could, he could metalize an 18th century church hymn. This dude is, he's, he's really cool. Again, his name is Leo Moriccioli. He's got a, uh, a YouTube channel that I pull all this stuff from. Anyway, um, the last show that I did had a Santana cover, or n- not a cover, had Santana on it. This is the exact same song, only done metal. Man, it's a hot one, like seven inches from the midday sun. When I hear you whisper and the words melt everyone, but you stay so Life ain't good enough I will give my world to lift you up 
All right, Daily Train Wrecked and Terrible Joke Corner coming back to back with the outro because we are running long. I didn't mean to do that. But I can't get away from I, I saved up. I was like monitoring Twitter while I was at Christmas and I was collecting up daily train wrecks. So I've got a few of them. This one is from uh the 26th. Santa.eth at S-A-N-N-E-H underscore S-I gives you the following. He's replying to Psychedelic Bart on Twitter. I don't know what Psychedelic Bart said, but you know, if you know Psychedelic Bart, you know he says them. Santa says or replies to whatever he said. It's going to take a couple of years to hammer in what decentralization means and how blockchains are to be governed. Once Bitcoin fails, as it will for lack of governance, then you will realize what is a decentralized blockchain and that the governance problem can only be offset. Yeah, I'm just going to let that one stand on its own all by itself, man. Bitcoin fails. If Bitcoin fails, it all fails. You can kiss it all goodbye. All of it. All of it goes bye-bye. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Dad says jokes. My friend Jack claims he can communicate with vegetables. Jack and the Beanstalk. Get it? Yeah. Thought you would. Jack and the Beans. Talk? Oh, God. It's just... I need to stop doing terrible jokes. I really do. I really do. But I'm probably going to be doing them for a while. So, (laughs) okay. (coughs) So what did we learn today? We learned that the exact same crap that's been going on forever is the exact same crap that's happening in 2020. I think we were all secretly hoping that shit coinery and other idiocy was going to leave us in 2020, but it's not. I mean, really the first thing out of the bag was this pro BTC stuff. The very first shot across the bow in 2020 was a bunch of people that hate BTC that have always talked badly and poorly about it, who've shilled their bags for years, gotten nowhere, seemingly trying to come back into the fold. But I don't think that that's what it is. I think it's a subversion of what we're trying to do. I think they're going to wiggle their way in and try to cause some kind of damage, but the immune system is way too strong. The amount of pushback has always caught has already caused Nakamoto.com to shut down their telegram to read only status and contemplate a paid chat. Who the hell would pay for that? I, there, I, there is a. I put this show together off of like way, like a whole bunch of different ways. I don't pay for any of them. I don't. There's, there's no need. There's, I mean, not really, unless you want to support Nakamoto.com. But why? You've got Nakamoto Institute. You could go support them. You could, I think Nakamoto Institute has their own telegram chat. And guess what? Not paid chat, not a paid chat. This sounds very much like a paid trading group. That's what this sounds like to me, but uh, whatever. So leaving the pro BTC Nakamoto.com behind, 
We also have the whole ether thing where they're pushing that stupid proof of stake, kicking that can down the road and getting yet another price bump on their shit coin. That's going to continue forever. I mean, at this point, they've just pushed it back for a whole year and a half unless something changes and they decide to activate it early. I mean, who the hell can trust this thing? And then you've got all you've got this silly paper that's come out that said that apparently the governance of Bitcoin is authoritative and not decentralized. And all of that has been proven wrong time and time and time and time again. I think they're mistaking the authoritative part for the maximalists basically screaming and bitching every time somebody even comes close to messing with the system. That's called an immune system. My immune system is not authoritative. Your immune system is not authoritative. You know what your immune system is? It's a bad motherfucker who's pissed off pretty much all the time. That's what it is. And anything that even remotely looks like, I mean, hell, I get allergies, which is an immune response for dust, dust and pollen, neither of which are going to kill your ass. I asked my, like I, was it smack dab in the middle of immunology when I was taking cell and molecular biology for my undergrad at Texas tech. And I'm sitting there in this mire. I was so good at molecular biology. I was rocking at cell biology. I mean, all like bat, you know, like bacteriology, virology, all this stuff, man, I got it. You know what I didn't get? Goddamn immunology. Immunology is confusing. It it doesn't make any sense at all. And one of the things that it doesn't what doesn't make sense is the amount of energy your body expends to expel dust. The amount of energy your body expends to I don't know you're allergic to like I don't know milk or eggs or or something like that. It's not going to kill you. But somehow the the allergic reaction can, but not the egg itself. There's nothing poisonous about egg. Yet some people have a bad egg allergy or a dairy allergy or a nut allergy. We're developing all kinds of allergies. That's another show. But in either event, the allergic reaction is just pissed off and mean all the time. And it will it will expend vast resources of energy to shut down anything. That's why Bitcoin works, and that's not authoritative. Bitcoin is still Bitcoin because of the allergic reaction, because of the immune response of its community, because of people who are so sick of people taking a good thing and turning it into shit that we have all basically just decided to be helper T cells, B cells, other manner of white blood cells, macrophages, and and all the things that come out of the woodwork to kill and slaughter and maim and decimate and get rid of. That's not authority. That's a sneeze. With that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.